This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 38 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on Horse Radio Network. How to make bath time fun. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make the show possible. They are Via Nova Training and Cavalier Feed. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, what we're going to be talking about is how to make bath time fun. I mean, that's why I named it that. <laughs> but so many horses have trouble with the hose and 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 water coming out of the hose. So we're really going to specify and work on how do we get them acclimated to the hose and hosing and the sound of the hose and the sight of the hose and the feel of the hose and all those important components. It's springtime, so it's a good time for this. A lot of times people ask, where can I get clickers? Where can I get targets, side buckets, etc.? Well, you can get some of those things all over the place. Clickers you can find at most pet stores, but you can also find them on my website. And my website is www.shawnacarish.com. So you can go to my website, have a look around, and you'll you'll find kind of more resources than even that. It's right on the Via Nova site. So they're merged. And so you can take a look around Via Nova, find out what we're up to, who we are, what we're about, and sign up for our newsletter. So let's learn a little bit more about Via Nova, which is the home of Shauna Karish. At Via Nova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Via Nova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit ViaNovaTraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty. Some horses just love the hose and they think it's great and it's no problem, but the ones that don't really don't, and that can be a little problematic. So how do we help them to be, to get better about the hose? And even if you think I'm not one that's going to bathe my horse, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. There's times that you have injuries, you know, you have to cold hose legs, you have to rinse things out. It's just a, a good thing. I don't like to find that a horse is afraid of any piece of what may need to be a part of their life. Even though it's something that may not happen, I want to be able to handle my horse's eye, even though I don't anticipate that I'm going to have an eye injury. But what if I do? What you know? So I'd like to, to really resolve each of those things. So I really think that hosing and getting them used to it is, is an important part of their life. Now, this is springtime now. It's the end of May. It's going to be getting warmer and warmer and warmer. If you've got a horse, that, that's where we are here and now. now you may be listening, listening to this in the middle of December, but, but, but I chose it to, to put it out at this point in time because I think it's an important subject and it's an important time to do it. So one of the things we want to do, we always want to think about how can we set them up for success? How can we help our horses to be as comfortable with this as we can? So one of the things we're going to do is it's going to be, the hose is going to be much more welcome and friendly at this time of year than it would in the middle of, of December. So one, the water usually isn't as cold. So if, if you have warm water, definitely use nice lukewarm water for these exercises, but, but a lot of places don't, and that's not the option. So, and, and you can get those little hot water heater things. But anyway, the it isn't really the option. So you, doing it at this time of year 
we're making it be as welcome as it can be because when it is hot out, the cooler water will feel better. So it still may be a little startling at first, but it is going to feel a little bit better and not be quite so as uh, quite as aversive as it would in the, let's say the middle of winter when they're already kind of cold. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. If I have a young horse, I'm going to teach to do this or a problem horse. I'm going to, I want to tackle this. I'm going to choose about this time of year to start this process and getting them acclimated to the hose. So that's just a little way to help set them up for success. The other thing is thinking about what you're going to do and where you're going to be hosing them. So you may just have literally a hose and you do it out in the grass or out in the dirt and you're just holding them. It may be that you have cross ties and a a proper wash stall and that's where you're going to do it. It could be that you're, you know, there's all kinds of options that you're going to do on the backside of the trailer, you know, all sorts of options. Well, As with any behavior, you want to be sure or any new, you know, thing you're working on, you want to be sure that each of the behaviors leading up to it are solid. So don't take them. This is, I don't recommend anyway, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not going to recommend. This won't be setting them up for success to take them to the cross ties where they don't like to go to the cross ties. So if they don't like the wash stall area for some reason, maybe it's too dark, maybe it's too far from other horses, maybe it's, you know, has a bad history. You need to be sure to build up going to that area first. So that they like that area. That's not a bad area. They happily go there. They don't just tolerate it. They actually like it. That's one of the things that I am really big at is I want them to be able to actually like going to the cross ties. Now, lesson 21, if if you haven't done that part yet, go to um, lesson 21. And in that podcast, I talk about cross ties and how you can acclimate getting them used to the cross ties. So that's where you'd want to start there first. You want to be sure another behavior that's going to be really strong is that your horse can stand quiet, relaxed for periods of time. So if your horse will go in the cross ties, but he won't stand, you know, and he's, he's going to dance and he's going to be rocking back and forth and picking up feet and pawing. Well, that's not standing quiet, relaxed in the cross ties. So that is another piece you need to be sure is, is part of that criteria that they can stand calm or relaxed. Okay. So now let's say we have that. And, and, and if you have a choice of two places and one place is more hospitable to them in their mind than the other, definitely go to the better place. You want to, again, set them up for success. So then we have some, so now we've got those pieces worked out. They love going to this place. They're good. I can be there. I like to have them in cross ties if I can, because I like it where we, there's, my hands can be free. You know, I'm not having to worry about them dancing all over and being in a weird place. They kind of know these elements. They're familiar with this process and it gives me free hands to be able to work on scrubbing legs or, you know, proper cleaning as the bathing process comes on. So there's different elements to the hose that I have found can be worrisome for horses. One can be the sound. So just the sound of the water can be a problem. Seeing the water come out of the hose can be a problem. The hose itself snaking around can be a problem. And the splashing can be a problem. And then there's the tactile feeling of the water touching them that can be a problem. So there's kind of a multifaceted levels that we need to check and run through before we we move to the next step and move to the next step. So the first thing I often recommend doing is taking them into the cross ties. And when they're all good in there and that's all been sorted out, I'll just reiterate that again. (laughs) What you want to do is see if you can't, I I pull the hose kind of away from them. So I want to see without it running, without it turned on, without anything, can they handle the hose being, you know, five feet away from the side of them? can they handle that being pulled and moved and moving around on the ground and moving back and forth? So that is an important part. That is where I start. So if I pull the hose out and I see a horse who looks big eyed, I don't move forward until I see no response. And this is an important caveat for all what we're really doing is called systematic desensitization and counter conditioning. So for all of that, you do not want to move to the next step 
until the step before is 100% solid. So if I pull the hose out and they're like, wow, but then they kind of settle and they look like it's okay. I don't assume that I'm going to come out and just pull the hose out willy nilly without some caution and monitoring their reaction. So I'm going to pull it out again. Maybe they go, okay, I got over it and it's no big deal. So then I can move to the next step and the next step. But, but a lot of times they, it startles them again the next day and they've learned that, okay, it's okay in this context. Well, I want to be sure that they're okay with it and they actually get quite comfortable with it to the hose can whip around and move even a little bit fast, you know, not too scary, but you know, if I kind of raise it up a little bit and make it kind of snake a little, is that okay with him? Can I do it from both sides? Are they okay with it? If, when that's really, truly okay, and there's no reaction on a con consistent amount of times, you know, like let's say I've done it five times and there's no reaction, then I'd say, okay, well, then can I bring it? underneath you, you know, and start doing things where I can move that all around them and get them used to the feeling of the hose, even touching their legs without water. Just if it, you know, you know, when you're hosing and you pull the hose, sometimes it bumps a back leg or bumps a front leg because you're around the other side. I need to be sure that that's all okay with them before we move to anything else. So this would be step one is really making sure they're comfortable with a physical part of the hose. And if they really have a problem with it, even a safer way to do it, start with a short stretch of hose that's not attached. You know, you can cut the metal ends off even. And, and I'll just use a piece of the hose where I, if it gets caught up a little bit because they get worried, it's not attached to anything. There's no damage to be done. They can free themselves of it very quickly. And I think that that is really an important thing because safety is always, always paramount. So as I can do that and I can move that hose around, I can go between their legs and they're all good with it. And if I'm even worried about it, and I can go kind of up their hocks a little bit with the hose and they're okay with it. So be, all those pieces, I want to be ready for all of that so that that is really something that they're not only comfortable with, they actually kind of like, they see this as a fun game. So again, not moving forward with any piece of that pro process till I get to the next step. Until I get till I get no response, then I'm ready for the next step. The next step I tend to do is start turning on the water. So the water is far away. The, the water isn't near them yet, but the water is now coming out. So now I have an attached hose because that's how that works. And I'm going to be sure that the, the attached hose can be, even though I maybe had that hose right up to them, right next to them, really comfortable with it, we've just changed a piece of it. So now I'm going to take it back to, you know, five or six or seven feet away from the side of them. Can it be over here spraying away from them, not towards them? So at first I'm going to have it low and I'm going to have it drizzly slow. So it just comes out a little bit. It's not too much momentum. It's not too much force. It's the sound is kind of minimal. And sometimes just the sound of the, the water starting to come out of the hose can be quite scary, especially if we have trigger stacking going on, which again, remember, it's like watching a scary movie and the phone rings. The phone can ring all day long and it's no big pro problem. But when you get a little bit of adrenaline piled on a little bit of adrenaline, a little bit of adrenaline, one little thing and you're, you go through the roof when the phone rings. Well, it can be the same with the hose. They should be really relaxed. So that little sound isn't that big of a deal for them. And, and it may be startling at first, but we have it far enough away. They can pr process it. They can see it and they're in a safe environment. So I go to that step next when I can have that water kind of coming out, but rather softly and drizzly, then I will move up to having it come out a little bit faster or putting my um, hand on the end and spraying the water, but away from them. It's still a good distance away from them. So they can hear it kind of changing from dribbly to, you know, the, the force of the water under pressure and then drizzly again, but it's all far enough away that they can get acclimated to those sounds. Now, remember for each of these steps, what I'm looking for is relaxation and softness. So I don't want to see them. If I see them getting I don't want to reinforce the tense periods. It could be that we get tense and then we get softer. I will take that. It might not be the softness I want to see at the end of this, but if I see them going, oh, 
And then they go, I guess it's okay, but their eyes still look a little big, but their head's in a little bit lower position. I go, okay, well, that's better. That's relaxing, relaxation. You're relaxing, you're softening. I can draw attention to those points where they get a little bit softer and softer and softer until they can really show that they they are relaxed during the process because it's not worrying them. So I think it's important that we kind of look for the moments of relaxation, feed those, feed all throughout. I'm going to remind you too, these kind of processes are not something we do in a day. You know, I wouldn't do this in a day. I would spend a week or two weeks, depending on what the horse or three, tell me whatever the horse is telling me he needs. I wouldn't do it every single session because every single session is going to be like, oh gosh, now we're doing that thing that terrifies me. And I don't want that to be how they feel. So I am going to instead do just a little bit you know, each day and then other sessions, maybe or other things and just do a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here. And so that we build up to it because keeping in mind when something is aversive or scary to them, it is, it keeps them tense. It keeps their adrenaline up. We don't want to keep them in that agitated state. We don't want them to be in an agitated state, but if we stay with something that is really hard for them, it can be just the accumulation of it can be rather unpleasant for them. So next step, when they can handle you spraying the hose, the water varying, it's around them, you eventually bring it a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. When they can handle it being close to them, but it's not touching them yet, we're going to delve into now they're kind of used to the sight and the sound and the, the, all that goes with the running hose. It's the hose moving because you can move it around with the water and the, they can see the water coming out. They can hear the water changing its pressure. And so now we've kind of really worked to acclimate them to each of those points. And that we, we have taught them, nope, this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. So what we want to do next is a lot of times the next place I go is I start, I take the pressure, keep it back down to nice and low. And I start to take it to typically their hooves. So now I'm going to take it where the water can run around them a little bit. It's going to splatter a little bit. So before I put it on their hooves, I want it to be kind of around their feet. So they're going to feel a little bit of the splatter of the water. So that can be unto itself a strange sensation. It can even, I, I think it looks like for some of them that it kind of feels like flies landing on them. So I want to be sure they're okay with a little bit of that splattering sensation. Really, when I have a horse good with it, I get them wet right away. I think it landing, the splattering landing on wet hair feels better, feels less foreign from what I've seen from the horses than it splattering onto dry hair. That, that just could be the horses I've seen, but but I like to be able to get them wet kind of early if I can. But so once I get them where they're used to a little bit of the sensation of the splatter on the feet, I tend to then start to go and I start to hose just their hoofs and eking up like an inch or two into the, the, the hair on their foot. So they start to have that sensation, but it is around their feet, which I find that they tend to feel like they have more control of. They can stomp a foot. They can pick up a foot. They can move their foot. They can, they can move that extremity. So I think it helps them and I'm not holding it. So I think it helps them to feel like they're in control of that a little bit. And I look for them to choose to stay there and choose to get better and relax and soft. And then I slowly start taking it up the, the leg. Again, really trying to keep it not hot and not cold. If I can keep it as neutral as possible, as lukewarm as possible, that is great. If I have a place where I don't have hot water, using definitely, even with a really skilled horse, I start with cold water at the bottom like this to give them, the, the, give them an, a little alert that we're going up their body as opposed to just spraying them suddenly. So that is basically the process I go for. I start where I think they're going to be the most comfortable. I have found it to be front feet first, then to the back feet, then to the front legs, moving up to the back legs. And then I, you know, it's a little different for other horses going right to their back or something. Definitely their belly can be rather vulnerable feeling. Oftentimes their shoulder and chest tends to be a good place to start going up the neck and then to their back. I found more sensitivity on the back but again, that's, that's an individual thing. That doesn't mean that's, that's not a science thing. That's just an observational thing. 
So moving to where you think they're going to be most comfortable or where they're showing you they're most comfortable and then moving up until they can handle it all the way up. I, even with a horse who is quite adept at it, I still do tend to start um, with the legs first. I find that the water running down their legs when they're dry can be quite tickly and foreign, but if their legs are wet, it doesn't seem to be the same kind of irritation for them or reaction from them. So I tend to wet the legs first and then move up the body. So that's going to be a process that you're going to have to watch your horse and see how they're doing. The And then getting all the way up to where you can hose their whole body and then start when you can hose their whole body and they're good with that. Then I start with some, some actually kind of a little bit of rubbing and then a little bit of Grooming, I don't want to get a horse all shampooed up if if I if he's not comfortable with being hosed. I don't want to leave him shampooed. I want to be sure that I can go through all the motions and the time that is involved in doing a bath before I actually bathe them. So if they can handle standing there for periods of time, I can rub my hands all over their body and rinse them again and rub them again and rinse them again and rub them again. Then I would consider doing moving up to the bath. Now, I want you to also keep in mind for some horses, just the smell of the shampoo can be weird. That can be alarming for them because they're like, what is that smell? I don't know that smell. So let them smell it. A lot of times I let them smell it in my hand and let them, you know, get, get, see what that smell is. It's just this liquid in my hand. It's not something foreign, you know, weird that they don't know what it is. So sometimes letting them explore it and see it can help quite a bit too. Now, as we get up, and I I also, you know, being cognizant, if your horse doesn't like a curry uh, without a a hose, he's probably not going to like it with a hose. So that's going to be its own process to get them used to and to build up to, is to getting the tactile and and getting them comfortable with the different grooming tools that you might want to use and between the legs. And and of course, I've kind of said the other parts about standing quietly before you ever go to bathing or even hosing your horse, you should be sure that your horse is comfortable being touched all over everywhere. Everywhere should be able to be touched. You should be able to touch their, their legs, the inside of their legs, their butt under their tail, their ears, their sheath, their teeth, their, all those things should be comfortable for them to be touched. And so I think that that is uh, really important before you go about trying to give them a bath, clearly. And so building up, up to that uh, until you, you have the, the time that it's going to take for that. Now, the face. The face is a whole different deal because even horses that are fantastic with bathing can be quite sensitive about the face. And, and, and sadly, there's some horses that have been mishandled and they've just been sprayed in the face. And so it, it's got them very defensive about their face. So going very slowly up the face is really important. Keep track of the different components that may be aversive on their head. Having water run in their ears is going to be aversive. Most likely, I mean, for most horses, having water run in their eyes can be aversive because it can even make it where they can't see for a moment. You're blocking one of their their heightened senses, which is keeping track of their environment. Running the water running over their nose can be really disconcerting for some horses. So go about those things very slow and be very cognizant of trying to keep the water out of their ears. If you need to use cotton balls in the ears, if you can't seem to keep the water, you know, if you can't seem to get it done without getting water in their ears, cotton balls may be a whole different thing, but be very careful about those things. If you can take a white, a wet washcloth and wipe their face, that is, that is also a really good option. If you're going to go about wanting to wash their face, cause their heads are big, you know, so there is a lot of washing you want to do. Or sometimes I know Minty gets crusty on one of his eyes and I want to be able to, to, to rinse that pretty well at bath time. So I take the hose back down to really, really low, really, really low. And I just bring it up where I just have a little trace of water running through it and a washcloth that I can disperse the water and, and wash them in that way. So I don't find that spraying or pouring water over their heads is, is quite 
is is the kindest way to do it or that sets them up for success. So utilizing a washcloth, even if you need to put it in a bucket at that point and just go a little slow and give them a sponge bath essentially on their head can be a good way to go. But a lot of times you still have the forelock and mane to get washed and it may run down their face a little bit. So getting them used to a little bit of that is also important. It's the same steps, move slowly and take your time. Okay. I think that about sums it up for bath time. I mean, it's kind of a, a common sense process, but just some reminders in there about not moving forward until things are good at the step before. Okay, so it is bath time. I'm going to take Broadway to bath time, and Broadway is young. She's an off-the-track thoroughbred, and she has learned to, to get better and like the cross ties not that long ago. So, so we're going to go slow. And what I'm going to do is just the earliest phases was I work with Broadway and working with the hose and making bath time fun. And remember, as we do this, what we want to be not tolerated. But if we keep going, we actually get into the classic conditioning where it actually does become something they like and enjoy and will be excited about. And then when we have those really hot days and we take them to get hosed off and they're not worried about the hose, they can actually relax and enjoy that it feels good to actually have the cool water running over them. So there you go. Okay, go get ready. Go get your stuff. Get your clicker. Get your target. Get your cross-tie savvy horse and get your food, and I will meet you in the cross-ties. Okay, I'm here with Broadway, and Broadway, I'm going to tell you, is Murray's buddy. Those two are... They just love each other. And, and they're, they, you know, they're not in so different places in life. He's a couple years older, but he came through the same process. Anyway, so we are fortunate to have cross ties here. So I will be using cross ties. Of course, you may not have cross ties, so you need to take them to wherever you, uh, wherever you're going, but mine, I, I refer to mine as cross ties since they are, you may be tied somewhere. You may just be holding them somewhere. So that is something to think about as we go. All right. So I have Broadway here and I am going to, uh, go ahead. She's standing quietly. And of course I make sure that she is good standing quietly. This is part of the cross tie process where I can step away from her and she doesn't need me right next to her feeding her to have her be comfortable. She's gotten used to standing quietly for longer periods of time without me being right next to her. So that's important because as I go behind her and do stuff and go to get, you know, my piece of hose, I want to be sure that she is she's okay with me being different areas around her. And so with grooming, she's used to me going to the brush box and picking up something and coming back and, and she just stands quietly for that. So I do have, I have cut a piece of hose where I've cut the metal off the ends. It's eight feet long, I'd say maybe seven or eight feet long. And so it is not attached to anything. So first things first, I'm going to be sure that she's comfortable with this. So I'm going to pull, I'm going to go behind her. Our hose is back there. So I have the piece, our hose bib with the actual hose is back there. So I have the piece of hose um, back there as well. So it's going to come out of the same place that it'll eventually come out when it's a hose hose. And so I'm going to kind of pull it off. I'm going to be about six or seven feet away from her. And I'm just going to pull this thing straight forward. Okay, she's looking pretty good so far. I'm going to walk it in front of her, but I'm going to be like, again, it's it, the hose is about six feet in front of her. So it's not too close. She looks, she's watching it, but she doesn't look big-eyed or worried. And now I'm going to the other side. Okay, she got a little bit, she got a little bit more worried on this side. So I'm going to take it out a little bit further on this side and clicked and reinforced her for that. So that was good. She got a little bit just kind of watching it as it went to the other side. I think the, the end was maybe trailing a little closer. And then she was good. She made a choice just to stand quietly. So I reinforced her for that. She wasn't 100% relaxed, but that's okay. She made a choice to stand quietly. This is my base point. You know, I look at this and think this is base point. I want to see improvement as we go, if I can, if there's room to improve. Sometimes you pull it out and you're like, 
Well, nothing could be better than that. But in this situation, you could see she's alert and aware of it. I would prefer it if she barely even looked at it. But she's looking at it. She's following it. But it doesn't look totally worried as much as maybe a little curious. And so that was good. So I'm going to do the same thing. going to go back the other way. And so I'm going to go out. And I'm going to cl I clicked her right away for that as it started moving. I clicked and reinforced her. And remember, all my clicks are followed by food reinforcement, especially in the training process when we're learning something new. And so that was really good. And that was great. So we're going to do it again and moving the same path or finishing on that path because I kind of started it. And that was good. So that was great. And I go back again and she doesn't really care. Okay, now I'm going a little bit faster. I can click and re I'm clicking and reinforcing her in between here. So even before she stops chewing, I give her another nice size handful. So she just gets to see it. That's a little bit almost classic conditioning because I'm saying it's just going and you're just getting fed. So it is really building up a good, strong reinforcement history that that thing's around and good things happen. So that was excellent. Okay. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring it a little bit. I'm going to go back to the backside again, and I'm going to be sure that I can touch her. So as I pat her hind end, okay, that's good. She's nice and relaxed. But there's times when if I patted her rear end and she jumped a little bit when she normally wouldn't, that tells me we have a little bit of trigger stacking going on. It means she's, she's acting like this is okay, but she's more worried than she's letting on. But she didn't. So if you pat your horse or you touch them when you're doing certain things and they jump uh, like inordinate amount, that means you, you, they're more worried than you think. That means slow down, back up a little bit and take your time. Maybe you don't proceed past that point. You just stay there a little bit and keep it nice and short and sweet. But I patted her rear end and she didn't jump a mile. She just was nice and calm and relaxed about it. She's also a very aware horse, so it didn't surprise her a bit. But if she is so busy with being worried about the hose, it can really, it can really set her. It can be the adrenaline's up a bit. So that was great. So now what I'm going to try to do is see if I can't let the hose. Uh, okay, I'm going to get a couple feet. So it's just a couple feet away from her. So, and again, this, your horse may not be ready for this. Your horse may still need it far away for a longer period of time. Your horse may be really comfortable, but a nice interim step is I'm going to go to the, so where it's like two feet from her. So before it was like six feet from her. Now it's going to be two feet from her. I'm starting from the back, the same area I started from last time, and I'm going to pull the hose. And that is going good. And I pulled it out nice and wide in front of her. I clicked and reinforced her while I'm still moving because that is great. And I moved it back. And I'm making a U-turn and coming back. Okay. And I clicked and reinforced her a couple times in there. And she did really well with that approximation. So I'm letting her chew that part because I gave her pretty good handfuls. And so next what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if, if the hose can touch her hoof. So not her leg, not her foot, but the hoof. So there's a, it's going to be a little bit duller sensation than actually touching her leg. But I want to be sure that even with this little contact that she's all right with it. So I'm going to come from the back and I'm going to, it touched her hoof. Okay. She jumped just a little bit, but then she, she's, but it's very light and then she, it's almost like a twitch. So I'm going to click and reinforce her for that because I like her choice to keep her foot there and to kind of, I can feel her kind of settle back down a little bit. And that was good. So I reinforced her. And then I'm going to keep dragging a bit. She's still chewing. And then now it hit her front foot. And she was great with that. She didn't twitch a bit. So I'm going to reinforce her. Now, and so when she is, when I take this to the front, if I just cut like straight in front of her, it, it's, it may climb up her legs a little bit. So I'm going to be sure I kind of clear the, the front and get it so it only, it's not touching two feet at once, only that one other side. So I kind of pulled it out in front. Now it's coming straight back towards her. And there it made contact with the front hoof. And that was good. I'm not going to reinforce that one just because I want to wait till the back one. It touched the back one. That was good. And now I'm going to reinforce that one. So that was good. So I'm going to let her eat for a bit. I gave her kind of a fair, fair amount in a short order. 
So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can't pull it directly underneath her. So if it goes kind of behind her front feet, like a foot behind her front feet. I want her to see it enough so she's aware of it. I don't want it to be a surprise and I don't want it to be that she doesn't know it. So I want her to be aware of it. So I'm going to pass it kind of under through her legs a little bit. Now let me just pull it. I pulled it. So I reached under her belly a little bit and, and I don't have the hose. I just touched her belly. She's good with that. And I went around to the other side and that's good. So I just touched her and reinforced her for me touching her, me bodily touching her. Because as I reach my arm underneath, I want to be sure that she's comfortable with that. Now, this is a horse she's had a, um, a saddle on. So she is comfortable with you reaching for the girth. So I know that this is this unto itself isn't an unsafe behavior. So now she may be worried as she sees the hose kind of dragging on the ground underneath her. But again, it's a short piece without, um, without, uh, pieces to get caught or anything, you know, so she, she should be good with this. So as I reach underneath and I get it. And so I'm reached all the way underneath her. As I just start pulling it, I clicked her and I dropped it on the ground and I'm going to go feed her for that. Because I like that as I was pulling it, she just saw it. that was really, really good. Now, remember, if you have any response at all, don't move forward. You are not to keep time with me if your horse is not in this place. Or if you feel for a second that you're not comfortable doing it, don't. It's okay. And this step, if you're not comfortable doing this step, you don't necessarily need to go underneath the legs. That is kind of something I like to do, but I know that I have these other pieces really solid and safe. So I feel that what I'm reading and getting from her, she'll be okay. Okay. So she is eating. I reached down and keeping an eye on everything. I picked up the hose and I stood up and she's good. And now I'm just going to drag it the rest of the way underneath of her. And that was great. That was really, really good. And you know what? I'm going to end it there for today. Because I think that that was really a lot. And that was really, really good. So we're going to leave it there. And that I'm going to let her finish here. I'm putting a bucket on the ground so she can finish eating her little bucket of grain there. And that was excellent. And so we'll, or bucket of hay pellets. And so what I'm going to do when she's done, I'm going to put all my stuff away. When you get to a good stopping place, put all your stuff away and meet me back in the classroom. And we will talk about uh, where do we go from here. So I hope your horse was good. And I hope you're in all of this. Keep in mind, you can be learning more about reading the body language. So I hope you learned a little bit more about your horse and how they respond. Okay. Talk to you in a few minutes. Okay, so we have clearly got homework to do with this. It's just, it, it, there's so many components to it that we got a lot of steps to kind of, to carry on with. So homework will be important because it is the repetition and repeating that really helps our horses to become really familiar and friendly with things and lets us be, build a nice, good, strong reinforcement history. Okay, so one of the things that people ask me is what do I feed my horse? And so we want to feed something that definitely works with their diet and their health. Their health is the most important thing ever. As we've learned and we're learning more all the time, horses are rather sensitive to their diet. So we need to be paying attention to what we're feeding. I was feeding her Cavalor feed during the training portion. But then after that, I went to using hay pellets for her magnitude reinforcement. So I picked that diet kind of picked based on what what she needs as a young growing horse. So Cavalier feeds is great because they're really minimally processed. It's one of the things I like best, but let's learn more about Cavalier feeds. As we progress through the clicker training exercises, we talk about feeding the horse each time you use the clicker. Sometimes, most of the time I use feed, but sometimes I use treats and I love the Cavalier feed and the Cavalier treats because they use the highest quality ingredients. 
I can feed a lot of it, and I know it's healthy and a safe alternative to the highly processed feeds. So I think it's important that we can feel really comfortable about feeding a lot of the feed without thinking we're loading them down with sugar. And that's what you get with Cavalor. With the Cavalor feeds, you can also actually see the ingredients. So it looks like a cereal you and I would eat. And in fact, I've tasted it and it's pretty good. <laughs> and the best part is Cavalor's team is easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real life person will call you back to personally talk through your horse's nutritional needs. Learn more about the products at www.cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. So now we have a ton of places to go with this. You may choose to not want to do taking the hose underneath her leg, or you may even choose not to do a hose cutting off the ends of the hose. But you do want to go through some systematic ways of building up and making sure you're getting yes, 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 yes. If you get no, no take heed. It's okay to back up or even sometimes to stay where you are maybe a little lesser, but be very cognizant of this. This is also a great exercise for really paying attention to and continuing to practice reading that body language. It's hard when you're doing the hosing because you tend to be so close to the horse. It's harder to see all the pieces, to watch the tail. Is the tail swishing? Or is the tail not swishing? Is the, you know, is, are, are the ears look tight? Do the ears look mean? Do the ears look mad or worried? Is the eye big? Is the whatever the, all those pieces are? Trying to get a, a good focus on what they're telling you because all of that body language and tension is just that. It's tension. And it typically comes from some sort of worry. How do I get this? How do I avoid this? How do I, what's happening? So, so take that and, and really respond to it. I think as a general rule, us humans tend to go a little bit faster than we should. You know, it's, it's better to go too slow than too fast. Once we go too fast, we tend to get no. And when we get no, we tend to get no quicker, you know, and it's harder to get back to yes. So I think that is really an important thing to keep in mind. Now, this whole process, I kind of mentioned it briefly. It's called systematic desensitization and counter conditioning. If they had no averse reaction to it at all, it wouldn't be counter conditioning, but really, you know, more of a classic conditioning. But typically, we're dealing with them where they find the scales are out of balance. There's more weight on the side of the scale that says, uh-uh, this is trouble, avoid this thing. And not enough that says, this is good. This is neutral will come first. And pretty soon they go, this is good. I actually like this. Good things can happen when I'm getting a bath or getting getting that host. So one of, the, one of the things I think that's really important to keep in mind, do not be chintzy on the feeding. And that's why it's important to pick something that you can feel comfortable feeding plenty of. And if that needs to be something as simple as hay pellets, you get simple grass pellets. And, and if you can, if they can handle a little higher reinforcement, but I want it to be something that you feel like you can feed readily and, and to be liberal with your feeding, especially when we're doing systematic desensitization and counter conditioning, keep it brief and short because you're working against an aversive and keep it what I call short and sweet. Short and sweet is how I describe sessions all the time. I want it short. I want it succinct to the point, heavily reinforcing and, and let them process that information. Now, another thing I want you to keep in mind, we have a real tendency to think it's only a hose. <laughs> well, keep in mind to your horse, it's only a jacket on the fence. It's only a hose. It's only a this or that. If they're afraid, they're afraid. And that's their reality. So we need to recognize that and say, I get it. This is really scary to you. It's, it's not a rational fear, but, but neither is our fear of spiders. You know, typically that's just not... You know, it's just a harmless spider, but it's, it can be, or whatever it might be. But keep in mind that that is their fear and it is their reality. So don't dismiss it. Help them learn that it's safe and learn to see it and feel comfortable with it through the systematic desensitization and counter conditioning. Those are big words, but it, it is basically just taking the steps that I described in the classroom earlier is that we are just trying to build up their association and helping them to learn that it's okay. So we're trying to desensitize their heightened sensitivity 
And then we're counter conditioning, meaning we're basically rebalancing those scales and building a new reinforcement history that is in favor with what where we're trying to get. So I think the exercises you want to go to from here are pretty clear from earlier. But one of the things I also want to talk about from go back to the classroom, we described the little steps you're going to take bit by bit by bit. And one of the things I didn't really describe as much is if you don't have cross ties, because a lot of people don't have cross ties. I keep thinking from my orientation point, which is cross ties. I've always pretty much had cross ties, but sometimes you don't. So what is that going to look like? Well, just like teaching a horse to be cross tied, you also want a horse to be able to be tied or even ground tied. Where ground tied is ideal. If you can do this at Liberty, this is my choice. So I was kind of going a little mainstream because a lot of people can't get hoses out to their paddocks. If you have a place to do this at Liberty where they can come and go, that is ideal because they will show you 100% if they are comfortable or not. And giving them the option to free to flee, to walk away from that. And typically it's not running away because they know they have the choice to walk away. But when they have the choice to walk away, that is really, really the ideal way to do it. But I know that it, there are a lot of limitations to getting a hose to the paddock. So I, that is kind of why I went to the other. But I want you to react to it the same way. If you see your horse shift a little bit, I want you to go, that would have been walking away, you know, and take it as that little and say, okay, I'm backing off. And we're going to go lesser, slower, lesser, slower. You don't want the confinement to ever take place of them expressing how they really feel about something. So it's up to us. And if you're not so keen and really so good about observing their body language of your particular horse, don't do this thing yet. This takes a, a skilled eye in order to recognize when they're, they're over threshold, when they're worried, when that, that little inkling set in and we go, I hear that, I see it loud and clear. And we can, we can make new choice so they can feel safe. We never want them to feel that they're trapped in this situation. And then we're just going to keep going until they have to tolerate it. That's called flooding, and that's no pun intended. <laughs> okay, so what do we do if you don't have cross ties? So ideally, I would do this when I've had places where I could. I will do this at Liberty because that's my ideal way. So doing it even on a tie, having them tied and holding them is actually a real good, a really good option because it gives them a chance to move away, and they can move away a lot. In fact, I'm going to say, I recommend you go there even first. But one of the things I do want to be sure that they're good at is the skill I want to be sure is good is that they can be tied. Because if it's just tied, they can dance a, a thousand different places, you know, and that makes it harder for us. But it also helps us to be more sensitive to it and it gives them more freedom for fleeing. Holding them is another option. That makes it really hard to truly bathe them because your little movement can get them to swing the rear ends around. You know, they're following you and doing things with you. But so what the skill that is really good to have is to have them um, where they can stay tied and you can move around them. You can walk around, you can zigzag around them, you can move fast around them, slow around them, and build up those pieces before there's any hose introduced. So they should be kind of desensitized to, to you moving around them. So they learned I stand still in one place where the person moves all around. And then you can start with the same exercises with the bringing the, the hoses up and around them. That part shouldn't look so different because if I see a shift, like if I see my horses in the cross tie and I see the hose is touching the right hoof, let's say, and I see them shift weight off of that right foot, I'm going to say, I get it. You are telling me that's too much. That's how little it, it, it can look like. But they're saying, I'm going to get ready to move that foot. I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with that. And I say, I get it. Okay, that's no problem. I will go back and I will go slower and approaching that. So it should be that we're recognizing those movements shouldn't have to be big movements. It's the little movements that are actually giving us an indicator of their comfort level or their clarity or understanding or acceptance of what we're doing. So having them stand even just tied or even with your hand being held or held by someone else even perhaps is another 
good way for you to just watch where they are. And if they move away, they, they can get away. But hopefully they have that sense of freedom and, and know you've done enough for them to know in the cross ties that they can move around and that they don't feel trapped in there and that you have been responding to their body language in this like all the way along. So I hope that makes sense for everybody. So it's, uh, it, it kind of just dawned on me that the littlest thing, it, it is the littlest movement. And I respect it and say, I get it. This is, you're telling me something and I want you to feel heard because that is your voice and that's your way of saying, mm, I don't know. So if they're moving, so if you start with them on a lead rope and they move away, you get it. Don't, don't get irritated with that. Say, I, I get that. That's information. You're telling me something. And, and, but do the same with even picking a foot up out of the way when they're in the cross ties. Anyway, I think there's a lot of pieces there for you to go through. This isn't, if you really think about it, when I talk about despooking, this is despooking. It is the same process. It is systematic desensitization and counter conditioning and looking for them to be comfortable with things. But I find that sometimes we need the steps to think about in that new situation, things to be alerted to, things that we're watching for. But it is one of the main things we do is systematic desensitization and counter conditioning is a part of trailer loading and clipping and and grooming and, and walking on a trail or, you know, it can be a lot of pieces there. So I think that it is, uh, this is, this is another good exercise. And so take it slow. That's my, my bottom line is just take it slow and listen to all those little body languages. All right, you guys, that was a lot seemed like for me, a lot of talking for me today. Um, you can listen on to this on most of your favorite podcast players. You can listen on the horse radio network app, which is on Android or your I iPhone. Uh, just search horse radio network in the app store. It's free. It's easy to use. And it's, it makes it simple. That's what I like about it. it just simplifies. It makes it easy to kind of pull back up. Be sure to visit all the great shows on horse radio network at www.horseradionetwork.com. There's a slew of them, lots of fun shows and, and for all types of things. And if you uh, want to learn more about me or what I'm doing or what I'm up to or what Via Nova is up to, you can search Shauna Karish and you're going to find on target training on dash target dash training.com or you're going to find Via Nova. The websites are together. You can go to uh, my pages and you will find, you know, uh, you'll find these podcasts. You'll find horse, uh, <laughs> You will find Ask Shauna questions and some links to them, some blog posts, some the product page. But you can also visit the Vianova side, those pages. You can sign up for the Vianova uh, newsletter, but you can find out what we're up to and when we're doing workshops again and what's what's happening in our in our sphere. Anyway, so it has been great fun today. I hope you had lots of success with your horse, and I hope that this is something that helps walk you into the summer and your horse liking to get bass. Who doesn't like a nice, clean horse? Anyway, until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. Bye-bye.